Welcome to Ignite Ministries. This is Brent Kelly. I pray that these teachings will take you much deeper into an understanding of sonship and the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted to kind of talk about um, some different things that were just on my heart. Uh, as you see, the title is Eyes to See eyes to see. How many of you know we need eyes to see today, especially with what we're dealing with uh, around the world, the, the chaos and confusion that seems to be uh, so frequent, uh, you know, from a, a, a pandemic to a crazy election season and everything else that's, that's going on around the world. Um, how many of you know sometimes uh, American, is, uh, American Christianity um, can sometimes get a, a certain lens that it looks through that is blinded to what is going on around the world. Um, I think one of the chief dangers of, uh, that, that's happening within American Christianity and theology in America is that we often see um, biblical prophecy through what is going on in America. Uh, if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you realize I'm going to continue to pound that Thing. And if you're watching, if you don't mind sharing, um, my analytics and everything is uh, so messed up right now where I haven't done much video and different things like that. I really like to get this video out. Um, so if you can just hit the share button, I'm going to be praying for people at the end of it um, and people that need prayer. I've got, I, I you know, I just want to be honest. I probably have about 300 people that I need to pray for uh, and I need to get out there and pray for. Um, but it has just been, uh, you know, holidays, family, different things like that. Uh, we've just had a lot going on, a lot going on. So, um, what I really want to talk about, like I said, the eyes to see, uh, how many of you know, we need those eyes during the season, uh, of what's going on. But what I was talking about is one of the chief dangers right now within the American Christianity is that we are. Um, seeing biblical prophecy through the lens of what is going on in this country. And what I consistently remind people is, is that we are about 320, 330 million people out of almost 7.2, 7.3 billion people in the world. We're, we're just a small, small percentage of the world population. And when we start showing the world, when we start crying out, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, because, I don't know, um, we've got, you know, a little bit of crisis going on or something like that. I, I want you to understand that <laughs> the world has been in crisis for a long time. The world has been in a crisis situation uh, for, for centuries. You know, there are thousands or millions upon millions of people that are starving around the world. When we even look at the pandemic numbers and we, we, we look at, you know, the, the million that may have died, I, I don't know where the, the worldwide numbers are uh, around the world, but when you look at that, considering how many people die a year from starvation, how many people die a year uh, from uh, water issues, I want you to understand that when you put the pandemic in, in the middle of that, it looks rather small. That there's crisis going on all around the world today. 
And um, so we can't, we can't take biblical prophecy and put it through the lens of what we're feeling at this moment, you know, because President Trump gets elected or doesn't get elected. I want you to understand that has nothing to do with Jesus coming back or not. Um, we, we are a little spoiled and sometimes self-centered within our, within our Christian, American Christianity. And so... Today, I want to talk about eyes to see. And what I mean by this is, is that, you know, sometimes if you've grown up around Christianity, uh, sometimes your eyes get a little dull of what, uh, of the mystery of the gospel and different things like that. And what I mean by it, if you're around a supernatural culture and different things like that, you can get so used to the climate that you're around, that you can't realize that you're actually in a deficit, meaning that you're in a drought season within your own life because you get so used to what is being poured out around you. I've seen people that are surrounded by miracles who aren't aware that they're surrounded by miracles because it's become so familiar with them. And the same thing, sometimes you can sit under um, some incredible teachers. I know people that, whether they sat under uh, Dan Moeller or Bill Johnson or N.T. Wright or or these amazing teachers of the gospel, um, they sat around it. They become so familiar with the level of teaching that is happening that they end up drowning or living in a drought season unaware of it because they're familiar about what's going around uh, what's going on around them and sometimes people attach themselves to community to cultures and because they feel familiar to it and they and they've attached themselves to a people group that it doesn't necessarily mean that they're really entering in or they're really walking things out and that's what happens a lot of times even with People who go to church, there's a lot of people that will go to church and they become so familiar with being around church that they can be living in sin situations over and over and over. And but because they're so familiar, oh, I go to church on Sunday or I'm around church or they think that they're walking in a level of righteousness that they're not walking into. And one of the things that I have found that we need are new eyes, eyes to see. You know, it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6 with the, the, uh, the cherubim that are around the throne of God. And it says that they, they cover their eyes. And then all of a sudden there's this, after they cover their eyes, there's this holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And as they begin to cry out to the Lord, how, how do these cherubim constantly come into a state of covering their eyes, covering their feet, covering their bodies, and crying out, holy, holy, holy. I believe that they have new eyes to see. And I think that's what we're struggling with, even within this culture in America, within church, that you need new eyes to see. It needs to be fresh every single day. I love what the Lord says when he gives the Lord's prayer, give me this day thy daily bread. How many times do you open up the word and you're so familiar with the text, you can't get out of the familiarity of what you're reading so it becomes dry, it becomes boring, it becomes you, you, you become quite discontent. It's, it's like the children of Israel marching around the wilderness for 40 years and 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 they begin to gripe about the manna from heaven this this stale bread how does something from heaven become stale it becomes familiar 
And I think we need to understand Thanksgiving is one of those things that gives us new eyes to see. What is the first thing that, that the cherubim cry out for, for eternity? This has been the proceeding before the throne room of God 24-7. I want you to understand there's no time in heaven, but for all eternity, they have been crying out. The elders have been casting their crowns. They've been releasing this thing over and over, holy, 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 as they cover their faces, as they begin to look at God with new eyes. And I believe that today we need we need to look at God with new eyes. We need to look at the church with new eyes. We need to look at revelation with new eyes. We need to open up the word. And when you begin to read, say, Lord, I need eyes to see. Give me new eyes as I read your word so that I'm not reading it through yesterday's revelation or the day before or the day before. Lord, I need fresh revelation, which means I have to look past what I think I know and I have to allow him to impart heavenly revelation and understanding for what I am in today. I want you to understand you can have revelation a year ago that was incredible that may have pulled you out of a season that you were in, a rut, a hole, whatever you want to call it. But I want you to understand that you can read the same scripture that gave you revelation a year ago that pulled you out of that rut and it not get you out of the rut that you're in today. But with new eyes to see you can get a new revelation over that same text and give you different eyes to see it that can pull you again out of that rut. So I want you to understand that the word is not evolving, but our revelation is always evolving. Our understanding is always evolving. But if you don't pick up the gospel, if you don't pick up the word and say, I need eyes to see, give me new eyes so that I can see you through it. So I can see your holiness, your righteousness, your grace, your love. Uh, you're not going to understand. This thing is going to become dull. It's not going to be fresh and you're going to become frustrated and you're going to go through a season of digging in, digging in, digging in and eating. And then all of a sudden you're just going to get bored with it, set it down. And you're going to go on a wilderness journey of walking around and getting yourself in situations you should have never gotten yourself into because you did not allow it to become fresh again. Every day the word must become fresh again. I think you could live um, an eternity off of just Jesus loves you. They, they, just the understanding that their perfect love has cast out all fear or that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That There's these little phrases that are put in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, and those little phrases with new eyes to see become fresh again every single day of your life. But the freshness, the eyes to see, isn't with these earthly eyes. They're with our spiritual eyes. The, the, the spirit of our mind is what Ephesians calls it. It, it is the, the ability to see him through the imagination of our heart. That is the part that is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you need a heavenly perspective today. A heavenly perspective. And there's something, when you live in a heavenly perspective, when you live from a place of altitude instead of attitude. I remember when I was a kid, our pastor 
uh, Raymond Cullen preached the message. He called, uh, you know, your altitude changes your attitude. And I want you to understand that a lot of times our attitude changes our altitude, meaning altitude is, is our, our, our vantage point, how, where our perception lies, where we're viewing our situation from. It, it, you know, in war, in times of war, the men would climb what mountains so they could get a vantage uh, point or a view of where the enemy is. Uh, you know, and I think we need to understand that we have to ascend into him and get Christ's viewpoint on our situation. And something happens when we begin to do that. You can be right in the middle of warfare. You can be right in the middle of a struggle or feeling defeated. And all of a sudden, you begin to rise up within your spirit and get a different vantage point, a different view of your situation. And so that takes a scripture like, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, or that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath my feet. And then all of a sudden, I begin to see from my altitude, from my position of being in him, and it begins to change my attitude here on earth on how I talk and how I walk. I'm no longer beat up. I'm persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. <laughs> See, there's something begins to happen. Yes, I'm taking hits and I feel like the world is coming after me. But all of a sudden I begin to let my spirit rise up and oh, I'm more than, the, more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And the God of peace is about to crush Satan underneath my feet. And, and perfect love has struck down and it's destroyed all fear in my life and, and and, and the peace that passes all understanding is mine. It is mine to attain to and, and grab a hold of. But that comes from eating manna from heaven and allowing my perception to change my position here on earth. I hope that's... Uh, <laughs> love that sweater, Brent. Listening on my walk today. <laughs> and, and so you've got to change your position. I, you know, I've been preaching here at the church. I was preaching the three positions of a believer. We become three positions of the church, but I always talk about Ephesians chapter two. It says that I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the first position is I'm seated in Christ. The second position is I walk worthy of the calling. So it's the walking by faith, worthy of the calling. So I'm walking I'm seated, and then it says, when you've done all to stand in the evil day, stand, and I'm standing. So I am seated in him, I'm walking the walk of faith, and I am standing in the adversity of the enemy. So all three positions are supposed to be happening all the time. My heart is to be seated in him. This body is to be walking by faith, and it's to be Standing in adversity, standing in adversity. I want you to understand that these are the three positions that we as believers are consistently supposed to be in, not one, not the other. So if I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, then in the middle of adversity, I'm going to see that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, <laughs> that that. My faith has the ability to destroy the works of the enemy. 
And you need to understand that you have authority and power. But if I'm not seated in him, then I'm not going to have the position or the, the new eyes to see my situation. And I'm going to become overwhelmed and allow my adversity, the, the, way, the, the way that seems right to a man that leads to death, when I begin to see with the natural eyes instead of my spiritual eyes, I become overwhelmed, depressed, fearful, anxiety. And then I begin to, uh, a lot of times we begin to retreat. We become Adam behind fig leaves, hiding from the presence of God and, and our victory that we have in him. And the same thing with walking, walking this calling out worthy uh, and, and walking it out through faith. If I'm not standing in my adversity and I am retreating, then I'm not going to walk by faith. I'm not going to walk out this calling because how many of you know, as you're walking out your calling, you're going to have adversity. <laughs> adversity is going to come. And when adversity comes, we do not retreat from adversity, we stand in the adversity as we're seated in Christ Jesus, knowing that the battle belongs to the Lord. <laughs> the battle belongs to the Lord. And the beauty of this is, is that when you truly understand this identity, this truth, all of a sudden you find yourself that, I love what uh, Colossians says when it says that, that Jesus took all the handwritten requirements against us, the ordinance, the laws. He nailed them to himself up on a cross and he took the enemy and stripped him of his powers and walked it or paraded him around like a defeated foe. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is your victory. Jesus Christ is your promised land. Your promised land is not something far off. It's not something that you walk into one day. Your promised land is Jesus Christ. Anytime you position yourself to see from the heavenly perspective, all of a sudden you begin to walk in your promised land. I want you to understand the promised land in the Old Testament was what? It was Jerusalem. It was Israel. It was the borders of Israel. In the New Testament, we're not after a physical land. We're after a spiritual land. I want you to understand in the Old Testament, Adam walked in a physical garden with God. In the New Testament, there's an Eden inside of you. There was an Eden in the Old Testament that, De uh, that Adam was given a Authority to take dominion over and cover over the face of the earth. In the same way, there's an Eden inside of us in the New Testament. G Jesus quite often speaks of the uh, in parables of gardening. Why? Because there's a garden inside of you. Your heart is now a garden. It has the seed of the living God put inside of it. He talks about weeding out your garden. He talks about the enemy coming in darkness when you're not abiding in the light as he is in the light, the enemy comes in darkness and sows tears into your heart. There's different types of soil in your heart. There's different weeds, there's stones, there's birds that try to come and remove the seed from the soil. I want you to understand that there is an Eden inside of you and God longs to walk in the cold of the day in your Eden, in your heart, meaning that you would have communion and intimacy in the heart of man with God. Isn't that incredible? 
That's what we're called to do. And so this Eden inside of you has to what? It has to be uh, taken dominion over until what? Your whole body is sanctified. I want you to understand your spirit is sanctified. That's the seed of the living God that's inside of you. Your spirit is sanctified, but your spirit is to permeate your entire body. It's supposed to go over your heart, over your whole body. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Remember, the kingdom of God is like a woman who hides a measure of leaven in, a, in, in, uh, in flour, and it leavens the whole lump in the same way. The kingdom of God is the seed that was planted inside of your heart, and this Eden is now growing, and we're to cultivate the heart through the Spirit and allow it to be watered through communion and intimacy, and then all of a sudden it begins to take over this whole body, there, your, your spirit is sanctified, it's holy, it's righteous, it's pure, it's sinless before God. But you allow your spirit through communion and intimacy with the Lord, it will begin to transform your whole heart and your whole body until you can love the Lord your God with your whole heart, body, and strength. Isn't that amazing? This is, this is what you were created for. So there is an Eden inside of you. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. <laughs> so is he. For all what? All conversation, everything proceeds out of the heart of man. It comes out of the mouth, but it proceeds from the heart of man. I want you to understand the, the, the treasures of the heart, all these things that if, as you read the gospels, you begin to find the beauty of what God is, what God is doing through Christ Jesus to the heart of man, to the heart of man. And so I want you to understand the Eden that is inside of your heart must be cultivated must be cultivated. What, what did Jesus say? Yoke yourself to me. Yoke yourself to me. My burden is uh, easy. I want, you to, uh, I want you to understand this, that yoke yourself to him. What are you yoking yourself? What, what, what's the point of yoking to plow? What needs to be plowed? I will tell you what, what needs to be plowed before, we always take this into the, into the harvest fields and all this other stuff. But I want you to understand there's a harvest inside of your heart right now. You're sowing seeds inside of your heart. How many of you know that every single day you're putting seed inside your heart? Whether it be lies or truth or, or words, you, you are planting in your garden. You are planting. And, and, and some things are being planted by God it's himself. And other things are being planted by the enemy. It's like I said, what did Jesus say? If your eye be single, your whole body filled with light. And of course, 1 John chapter 1, if we're in the light as he is in the light, he cleanses us of all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. So I want you to look at that. We're cleansed of all unrighteousness. If I'm in the light as he is in the light. But but remember what Jesus said in the parable. He said, if your eye be single, your whole body be filled with light. But if your eye be not single... How, and, and, and there be darkness, then how great is the darkness? I want you to understand that if I'm not fully positioning my heart in a place of communion and intimacy with the Lord, then all of a sudden there's darkness coming into me. 
And if I'm abiding in darkness instead of communion and intimacy, doesn't mean that I'm not saved. Doesn't mean that I'm not saved, but how great is the darkness? Meaning this, the enemy comes like a thief in the night, in the darkness to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come in the daytime. <coughs> how many of you know that? G the enemy doesn't come in the daytime. He comes like a thief in the night. And the, the parable of the, of, of the sower, of the good seed, and then in the darkness, the, the enemy comes and he sows tares within the heart. I want you to understand when I'm not abiding in the light as he is in the light, when I'm not living in a place of communion, when I have covered myself from fig leaves because I'm living in a place of condemnation, guilt, or striving, and I'm hiding from the face of Jesus, then all of a sudden my eye is not single, meaning my spiritual eyes aren't in a place of beholding him, which is allowing the thief to come in the middle of the night and he's sowing seed into my heart. He's sowing seed. And what are those seeds? They're the words of others. <laughs> They're, it's deception, it's fear, it's anxiety, it's lies. It's depression, it's guilt, it's shame. Those are the seeds that the enemy is consistently sowing. Well, I'm not abiding. Because I'll tell you what, if, I'm, if my eye be single, meaning I am fully in a place of communion and intimacy with the Lord, the enemy has no darkness to sneak into, to sow into my heart. I, I want you to understand that. If my eye be single, my whole body is filled with light. It's, it's like this. Have you ever... You know, you might be sitting near a light within your house or something like that. You know, it happened. Some of you might be sitting in front of that light right now. Uh, and, and if you look at that light bulb 100%, like if you, you know, I'm not going to say look at the sun because it'll blind you. Uh, but if you, how many of you know that you can look directly at the sunlight and I mean, it, it blinds you. But if you just go three, four degrees off and you focus three or four degrees off, same thing with the light bulb in your house. If you... Just focus three or four degrees off of that light bulb. It's not blinding. It's casting, it's casting a shadow in your eyes. You're not blinded, you're not blinded by the light. And I want you to understand that the same thing as the reality when if I'm not, if I'm multitasking Jesus and I'm not abiding in Jesus and I'm not play, living in a place of intimacy with the Lord, then all of a sudden, I, and I'm two, three, four degrees off, <laughs> then, then there's darkness. Now, how great is the darkness? See, that's where the enemy hides. That's where the enemy comes like a thief in the night to kill, steal, and destroy. It's in the darkness. And I want you to understand that you're not called to live in darkness. You're called to live in the light. Now, some people might struggle with that because they think, well, you know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been. I want you to understand that if you've repented before the Lord, you have received the Lord into your heart. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he did. You really need to understand that. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he did. I like what 
what Paul or Peter, I was reading Acts chapter 3 today and the gate called Beautiful and Peter walking or Peter and John walking to the gate called Beautiful and, you know, they healed the man. Gold and silver, I have none, but that which I have, I give to thee. And they raise the man up and he's leaping and he's walking and he's jumping. And, you know, all these people assemble around them because this great miracle happened. And, and they're looking with, I guess they're looking at Peter and John almost in, 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 in some type of God-like thing. And so I love what Peter says. He says, why are you looking at us that like we healed this man out of our godliness? I want you, I want you to understand, he's saying, listen, we didn't, there's nothing we did to do this. This is all the power of God. I love what Paul even says in Galatians. He says, do you receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit through works or by faith? No, by faith. There is nothing you can do to earn a healing. There's nothing you can do to earn deliverance. There's nothing you can do to earn grace or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift that is given to you by God himself. Ephesians 2.8. I've been saved by grace through faith, not of works, least any man boasts, but the gift of God. I, you, you've been saved by the gift of God, by grace through faith. So I want you to understand, no matter what you've done, if you go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, that's, I was never created for that. That's not who I am. I want you to understand that that grace, that power of God is in you and you are at that moment, as you begin to believe the work of grace, as you begin to live by faith, that's something we need to understand. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the just live by faith. We're called to live by faith, meaning, meaning it doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what I've been a part of or what I've walked out of. None of that matters. What matters is what I believe about what he's done and what he's accomplished and what he's given me through grace. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. We live by faith, not by works. Nothing, at least any man, be justified by the deeds of the law. That's what Romans chapter 3 says. No man can be justified by the deeds of the law. This is a faith issue. Only through faith are we able to please the Lord because only through faith are we allowed or even we even have the ability to commune in a place of intimacy before the Lord. So faith is a big issue. So I want you to understand it's by faith that I have eyes to see. It's by faith that I position my heart toward him knowing that he is good and he is beautiful and he is righteous and he is holy. And as I abide in the light, as he is in the light, there is a transference that begins to happen. It's like I say a lot of Sundays here at the church, you know, it, Christ wore you, meaning there's a scripture, I think it's Romans chapter 10 or Romans chapter 11. Paul says, put on Jesus, put on Jesus and you will not fulfill the lust nor the desires of the flesh. I want you to understand when Jesus was born in the flesh, he put us on. God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. That, that the God man put us upon himself. He wore humanity like a skin. 
<laughs> he, he wore your sins, your shame, your guilt, your striving, your fear, your anxiety. He wore it upon himself so that every beating, every piercing, the beard being ripped out, the, the, the nail pierced hands and feet, all those things, the excruciating pain that he endured through the cross as he wore us so that when he he would put us in the ground and that part would never be risen again i want you to understand that <clears throat> that part of humanity is dead it is dead every person that is ever born now is a dead man walking until they receive christ jesus into their hearts until they receive by faith the grace and the assurance that comes through the cross. So I want you to understand that he wore us so that we could wear him. After he rose from the dead, now we put on him. So before the cross, he put on us so that after the cross, we could put on him. And that sin would have no dominion in our lives. And as we abide in the light, as he is in the light, he cleanses uh, our, our hearts and our minds of all unrighteousness. That the just would live by faith. I hope this is making sense. If you're watching, if you don't mind sharing this, because I, I believe it's a beautiful video that could set some people free. How long have we been going here? We've been going 40, 40 minutes. Wow. A little longer than I thought it would be. Um, and I want you to understand that you are set free. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Indeed. So that part of humanity, your struggle, what you're dealing with, what I'm dealing with, what, what all of us are dealing with something. There's some type of resistance that, that, to withstand. That's what Satan means, to withstand. It's a, it's a resistance I posted on Facebook yesterday, Satan, the devil, he isn't coming after you because you're so anointed. He isn't coming after you because you have such a great calling on your life or there's something incredible that you're going to do. He's coming after you because there's an image inside of you that he wants covered up with fig leaves. <laughs> there's an image inside of you that he... It's trying to get you to cover up with fig leaves and meaning religion or shame or guilt. Or, I, but whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I want you to understand that you're not bound by that anymore. You're, you can be bound with ideas, but that's not the reality of who you are. You, how many of you know you can have ideas about yourself that aren't even present within this flesh? How many of you know you can believe that you're, you have a sickness, but it not be in your body? In the same way, many of you, there's a sickness that you believe in your mind that isn't necessarily going to manifest in your body, and that is death. You have been raised from the dead in Christ Jesus. And I want you to understand that the enemy is trying to get thoughts from a, 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 the humanity that has been buried with Christ, the dead, uh, the, uh, the grave clothes, he is trying to get thoughts in your mind to convince you of what you were instead of who you are so that you'll cover yourself in shame out of a place of resisting communion with the Lord and out of fear, out of fear. 
I think I'll stop there. So I, I just wanted, I wanted to put this video together. I wanted to share it with you because I believe that it can really bless you. I believe it can transform your heart. Transform your heart. So, yeah, if you've been blessed by it, just share it. Um, I hope the volume and everything is good. Um, does anybody, anybody need any prayer before I jump off? I know we got like seven, eight people on. Like I said, my, my analytics, uh, or, or not analytics, <laughs> my, um, oh, what is it? I can't even think about it right now. But yeah, it, it's been, I've been out of the game a little too long with uh, uh, algorithms and different things like that. So we're going to get that going. And, and listen, if you're watching and I, I, you've asked for prayer and I haven't prayed, just Thank you for having grace. Thank you for the season that we've been in, what we've been walking through, even within our own family, and, and the amazing testimony of what grace is doing, uh, even within our family. Um, you know, we've, we've got a, a miracle that's happening with our, our daughter that is quite incredible. You know, maybe one day I'll get on here and share all that. Um, but I, it's, it's amazing. Uh, even the doctor was amazed uh, this last week. He... he Pretty much, or a couple weeks ago, he, he thought a miracle had taken place inside of her. Um, and so we're just, uh, we're, we're, we're so excited to sow into people, to sow our hearts, to sow the word into people that you guys can walk, I mean, just in this reckless love of Jesus that will transform you. So, um, so Daniela, uh, I'll, or Danielle, I'm going to pray for you. Um, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. Lord, just touch my, my sister right now. I just pray right now that your glory, your presence, and your fire would come upon her right now. That she would be overwhelmed by just your beauty. Lord, there's, there, there's an Eden inside of her heart where the enemy has, has frequently come in darkness and sown where it feels like you've got trees that are rooted deep. I want you to understand that Jesus is saying, just yoke yourself to me. Let me plow this thing out of your heart. Let me rip these things that have been sown in darkness and let me begin to sow my beauty, my presence, my grace righteousness and holiness inside of you. So Lord, I just pray for her right now. Just come Holy Spirit, just touch her in Jesus' name. Lord, just fill her with your glory and your presence. And Lord, I just pray for my brother David, um, <laughs> for the fire of God just to be upon him. No, for real, please pray for Gigi and I. We want more of him to see him. Yeah. So Lord, I just pray for David right now. Just come Holy Spirit, just touch him right now. Let your glory and your presence just come upon him. Awaken him to righteousness. Awaken him to the gift of grace that you have poured out upon his life that is empowering him to walk in the anointing. And Lord, I pray that there would be just a stirring of the anointing on his heart, Lord, for just like Jesus reading, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me and has anointed me. And just like Joel, the prophet Joel said, in the last days I shall pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. 
that the Spirit of the Lord has come upon you, David and Gigi, and has anointed you for the work of the ministry, that you would be light in darkness, that you would move in power, resurrection power, and that you would release prophetic words over the broken, uh, that words of knowledge would flow from you, and that revival, meaning every person that you touch with your hands, there would be a reviving within their heart into that place of beholding the presence of God. Come Holy Spirit, just touch David right now and just bring him into that grace in Jesus' name. Yeah. Lewis, uh, Lewis said, yes, Brent, to know intimacy and, uh, and not condemnation. Lewis, um, man, hope you're doing good over there. I don't know if you went back to the UK or you, you're in Denmark, but um, let me pray for you, man. Lord, I just pray for Lewis right now that he would know just, just what he said, to know intimacy, to know intimacy, that, that grace that you would give him eyes to see, new eyes to see, that the, the gospel would become fresh to him, where, where it's almost like layer after layer of foundation has come one. They, there's such a familiarity with certain words, with certain things that have been spoken over you and different things like that, that you've lost the freshness because the gospel is forever alive. It is, it is alive. It, it is like blood uh, that, is, that is still fresh. It is, it, it, it is not dried up. It is still alive today. And in the same way, the, the drink of him and eat of him, eat of me and drink of me, feast upon the Lord, that there is a freshness, brother, that, that is coming upon your life that you would read Colossians and Ephesians and Romans chapter 4, 5, and 6, and, and, and they would become alive to you once again, that you would read the Gospels with new eyes and new ears, and that there wouldn't be a familiarity of, of what you've once known, but it will be that you would see him and there would just be this thing of falling on your face before him in a place of intimacy and communion and that condemnation would not have a root within your heart because condemnation removes, brother, it just removes confidence. First John chapter five says this, if my heart, if my heart condemns me, know this, that God is greater than my heart, meaning the condemnation of the heart, the, the tears that the enemy has sown in the darkness within your heart that are speaking lies about you before him. That's the accusing of the brethren. And I want you to understand that those lies in your heart are trying to condemn you. But what John is saying in 1 John chapter 5, he's saying, if my heart condemns me, know this, that God, God himself is greater than my heart. Meaning that God's perception, God's heart about you, trumps everything your heart says about you. And living in a place of communion and intimacy with the Lord brings confidence. I love what the next verse says, but if my heart does not condemn me, I have confidence before God. You, it, it's, it's Adam running and hiding in fig leaves versus Adam running to the grace that's before him. And in the same way that 
We, we have sin that gets in our heart and different things like that, and it wants to condemn us. And the first thing sin wants to do is drive a wedge between you and intimacy. And if you'll just run, it, not from him, but into him, you will find that his grace will destroy it. And he will plow up the thing within your heart. And so you'll, you'll no longer eat of that, of that fruit, of that tree. I hope that blesses you, man. Danielle said, um, would you would love fresh revelations and eyes to see more? So Lord, I pray right now that you would open up my sister's eyes to see you. Give us new eyes like the cherubim around the throne of God, crying, hiding their face and their feet, crying, holy, holy, holy. The Lord of hosts. We too, Lord, how do we sing for eternity? Holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts. How do we, how do we live in a place that we're just consistently wrecked in our heart before the Lord, always aware of him? I don't ever want to grow into a place, and I'm, I'm just speaking to everyone right now that's watching. I don't ever want to grow into a place that, like, like Jacob Surely the presence of the Lord was here and I knew it not. I want you to understand that you can have an intellectual concept that the presence of the Lord is here. But, and, and there's many in church that have grown up around supernatural cultures where the presence of God has manifested. But you could truly say to yourself, truly the presence of the Lord was here and I knew it not. You could be watching miracles every single Sunday, but yet there is a dullness and a hardness even within your heart to enter into the fullness of what he's got for you in that moment because you have an intellectual concept, but you don't have a heart revelation. And I want you to understand that the heart revelation is ever beating. It is fresh. It is, it is, it is flesh. It's not stone. I think that's what we sometimes think that revelation is written upon stone. Revelation is written upon flesh. It is to be built upon. It is like cell after layer of cell after layer of cell. It does not die. It stays fresh. It stays new. And sometimes we allow revelation to be written on stone, our minds instead of our hearts. And we become so familiar with the word. I, I come in contact with people and they're like, they're like, man, I, I, like I listened to Dan Moeller for four, four years, five years. Why am I not free? You know, I've, I've listened to Dan for over eight years. I know the man. I got to see him two weeks ago and sit on the front row and, and we're going to host him here at the church. And, and it's, it, I love that man. I love what he carries. But I sat on that front row weeping and crying as he spoke. And I've heard some of the same stories over and over and over. I've heard some of the same revelation over and over and over. You know why I can weep? Because the revelation is the heartbeat of God. It does not, it's not written on stone. It's not dead. It's not, it's alive. It's alive. And when I get new eyes to see him, I'm like, oh my goodness, you're incredible, God. He has never Changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> forever. So I need new eyes to see. We all need new eyes to see. So 
That's, that's my official close right there. I hope that blesses you. Please share this. Um, get it out there. I hope it just, I hope it awakens somebody to truth. I hope it awakens you to truth and the reality of who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ Jesus. Lord, give us fresh eyes to see. In Jesus' name, I love you guys. Thank you guys. If you need anything, let me know. If you've messaged me and I haven't messaged you back, I apologize. And I ask that you would just message me again uh, so it, it kind of jumps up back to the top. Uh, love you guys so much. Blessings to each and every one of you. 